Welcome to the Gen Xer Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Vargas. This is a podcast that discusses what's going on in the world through the eyes of a Gen Xer. And remember, this podcast doesn't express the view for all Gen Xers, just this particular one. Welcome to the show, everyone. Kind of a big episode we have today. Some big changes, which countered the changes I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. So this happens a lot to me. I think something's a great idea, and I kind of rush rush it, though, and then realize, like, wait, something's off. So it's kind of that, and it isn't one of those situations. So as, as some of you may have known, I had another solo podcast, How We Got Here. It was supposed to cover topics that I wanted to discuss, but wouldn't fit into this show's particular theme and the theme I had for the season. So, but before we get into that, I think it, I think I need some context. After Joe Biden took over as president, I figured the news would go back to being, you know, kind of boring. Republicans would fight him on everything and his desire for brotherhood would blow up in his face. And things seemed that way when I started the show a year ago. Then 2022 happened and shit has kind of gone off the rails. As things started going, I became more interested in the news around me and less in the conspiracy theories I was discussing. So I figured that some things needed to be talked about, which is why I set up the other podcast, thus allowing me to discuss these themes and and discuss topics of the day on the other well, everything happened Everything happened in the last couple of months. I decided that I would end the discussion of conspiracy theories and focus on the broader issues. The other show was, is going to go on a hiatus for now until I can develop another show that, takes, that can take its place. This is going to be repetitive in the new direction of this show. So now I do have the first part of a two-part conspiracy episode based on the 2016 election. Now I can adjust it to one part or I'll continue it as it was originally intended. But that episode may see the light of day next week. Just kind of depends on where everything happens, you know, country-wise. So the last of the Conspiracy Theory episodes will come to you in the coming weeks. As for this week, I couldn't do an episode without discussing what happened recently. So with that... Let's get on with the show. At the Supreme Court today, an historic upheaval. In a sweeping ruling that overturned a half a century of precedence, five justices ended the right of American women to choose abortion under the Constitution. The court upheld Mississippi's ban on abortions after 15 weeks by a 6-3 to three vote, and five of those justices went even farther, voting to overturn Roe v. Wade itself. Today's opinion is nearly identical to the draft that leaked from the court last month. Justice Samuel Alito rejecting the 1973 landmark ruling in Roe, scorning the idea that the Constitution protects a right to choose abortion. The funny thing about Hitler, let me finish. He had a way of making people believe the autocratic government was the best thing for the German people. 
And for the last couple of years, we have been hearing liberals speaking hyperbolically about how evil Republicans were and that they were going to take away liberties and even with the packed United States Supreme Court. But many people were kind of over the hyperbole. To many people, including myself, both sides are kind of like teenagers. Everything is so dramatic. Conservatives are going to take back, you know, turn back the clock 100 years. Liberals hate America and eat children to stay young, which is hilarious because if you read those conspiracy theories and look at the people that claim to be doing that, Hillary Clinton, Chuck Schumer, and some of those others, you're kind of looking like, yeah, I don't think that works out so well. And when the leaked draft came out, many people started freaking out. Again, most of us that still naively believe that better angels would prevail and the Republic would still stand were proven wrong. What happened on that Friday and what's going on in many states show why local and state elections matter. Both of them. As I said in my All Votes Matter episode of How We Got Here, local elections are where the real fight is. Now, you're seeing online people blaming Democrats for not voting for Hillary. That got us here, which is utter bullshit. Nothing would have changed. And that isn't to make me feel better. Mitch McConnell would have still been in charge of the Senate and the Republicans would have still been in charge of the House. Now, you can play what if all day. If everyone voted, we could have taken both. Nope, wouldn't have happened. And as someone that observes politics, Democrats would have taken over, wouldn't have taken over after a Democratic president is leaving office. Not to mention, I was right when I said Trump wouldn't have won a second term. I looked at trends. This was the longest stretch of two-term presidents we've had in history. Bill Clinton had two terms, so did George W. Bush, as did Barack Obama. So we were due for a single term. Before him, it was George H.W. Bush who had a single term after Reagan's two terms. Now, it's possible that Biden could be a single term, but we haven't hit the midterm yet. Now, if he gets a single term, that wouldn't have happened since Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter. And I count Ford as a single term since he completed Nixon's second term, only to lose to Carter who in turn lost to Ronald Reagan after his single term. That doesn't, what does this have to do with anything? We can play Monday morning, Monday morning quarterback all you want. It isn't going to change anything. This is just for people to say, I told you so, which doesn't help anyone. The bigger issue is who gives a fuck if you were right? What are you going to do about it now? In the short term, there is something we can do because an election is coming up. And that brings us to this week's episode, My Body, No Choice. Growing up, I heard a lot about Roe versus Wade. Not really understanding it, but I heard about it. One of the biggest misconceptions about it is that it wasn't about the physical act of an abortion which is something many conservatives peddle, and, it, and liberals. It was about one's right to privacy. That's what the 14th Amendment is about. It was sort of a catch-all for people that weren't included in the original Constitution. 
you know, like anyone that wasn't white and male. The 14th Amendment contains a number of important concepts, most famously state action, privileges and immunities, citizenship, due process, and equal protection, all of which are contained in Section 1. However, the 14th Amendment contains four other sections. Section 2 deals with the apportment uh, of representatives to con Congress. Section 3 forbids anyone who participates in insurrection or rebellion against the United States from holding federal office. Now, this was originally conceived after the Civil War and make sure none of those rebels held any kind of government position, and which is what Democrats are attempting to use on Trump and his cronies. But Republicans, you know, don't remember that part of the amendment. Section 4 addresses federal debt and repudiates debt accrued by the Confederacy. Section 5 expressly authorizes Congress to enforce the 14th Amendment, quote, by appropriate legislation, end quote. And the state ratified the 14th Amendment in 1868 in the immediate aftermath of the American Civil War, along with other Reconstruction Amendments, which was the 13th and the 15th. Now, Rose was decided on the due process section, which was collected as privacy rights. However, it was based on a decision made eight years earlier. In Griswold versus Connecticut in 1965, the Supreme Court endorsed a right to privacy partially relying on essentially due process. The court relied on the right to privacy in several other cases involving individual liberties, such as permitting abortions in Roe v. Wade in 1973. So why is it a right to privacy? Because when Dal uh, Dallas resident Norma McCorvey found out that she was pregnant with her third child, she tried to falsely claim that she had been raped and then to obtain an illegal abortion. Both of these efforts failed and she sought the assistance of Linda Coffey and Sarah Weddington, who filed a claim using the alias Jane Roe for McCovey. And the other name of the party, Henry Wade, was the district attorney for Dallas County. Now, while people have gone all over the place to figure out why it had pertained to the 14th Amendment and the right to privacy, but I, I see it more as a way to cover doctors that performed the procedure than the people actually getting it. The right, I believe, is to cover what many trigger laws are designed to do now. If the procedure is performed, someone, anyone, can report it to the state without anyone's consent. Which is funny. These are the same people that shout HIPAA at the drop of a hat, even though they don't understand how HIPAA works. When someone asks you if you had, if you had a vaccination and you decline to answer, that's cool. Why? Because it's a right to privacy. However, it is not a violation of HIPAA if you have to answer or if you do, or for them to even ask you the question. HIPAA is short for the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996. It's a federal law that requires the creation of a national standard to protect sensitive patient information, health information that is, from being disclosed without the patient's consent or knowledge. So HIPAA has nothing to do with you answering the question. Since you, the patient, are being asked, you can answer it or not, but it means what it means is it was designed that your job, your 
you know, your lawyers, anyone that may want to know can't go to your doctor and ask about your health without you saying they can. Now, on a side note, I love people that invoke things that they have no idea what they're talking about. All this stuff is literally a couple of keystrokes. But then again, it doesn't back up your opinion. So why use facts when they just fuck up your argument? So back to the 14th Amendment. Now, it was used to permitting private homosexual acts in Lawrence versus Texas, 2003. The Supreme Court did establish a limit to the doctrine in Washington versus Glucksburg in 1997 when it ruled that assisted suicide was not part of a liberty upheld under the substantive due process. Now, the reason why the whole Roe versus Wade thing is a bullshit ruling is because it is imposing one's, meaning Christians, beliefs onto the populace. Now, I know there are people listening right now that are saying, read the decision. It leaves it up to the states. I know that. But those states are attempting to make abortion illegal based on a religious belief. There is no scientific evidence that determines when life begins. Many of these people are claiming or clamoring for education of the Bible to be taught in school, but they may not want that. Why? Because the Bible states a couple of times that life begins when air is breathed through the nose. So that one crutch you use doesn't even work in your favor. Now, there is a reason that Thomas Jefferson said that there should be a wall between, quote-unquote, church and state, even though Jefferson gets much of the credit because he wrote it in a letter to the Danbury Baptist Association in 1802, but it was actually Roger Williams, founder of Rhode Island, that, set, that was the first public official to use the metaphor. He believed that an authentic Christian church would be possible only if there was a, quote, wall or hedge of separation between the wilderness of the world and the garden of the church. Williams believed that any government involvement in the church would corrupt the church. And it has. Listen to Lauren Boebert articulate how much she knows about the Constitution in that and her ilk that she and her ilk claim to love so much. The reason we had so many overreaching regulations in our nation is because the church complied. The church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. That is not how our founding fathers intended it. And I'm tired of this separation of church and state junk. That's not in the constitution. It was in a stinking letter and it means nothing like what they say it does. You have to somewhat believe that she isn't stupid enough to think that was true. That flies in the face of elementary school history class which makes sense when you think about it. There are the, these are the same people that don't want slavery or alternative lifestyles mentioned in school because, you know, they aren't real people or make white kids feel bad, but they, don't want, they want both sides of the Holocaust to be taught in school, meaning the Nazi side and the rest of the world. Now, our fa founding fathers didn't want the country to be run by the church. This is where she fails basic history. And in an effort to find religious freedom, they were forced out of England to the New World. At least that's how the fairy tale goes. England was run by the Church of England. 
an offshoot of the Catholic Church. Henry VIII wanted to fuck and leave his wife and leave his wife that couldn't bore him a son. Now the Catholic Church doesn't allow divorce. Henry asked the Pope to do him a solid, but when he said nope, he became a cult leader and formed the Anglican Church. The church did anything that King Henry wanted. That led to a lot of changing of the rules, and the pilgrims were a highly religious sect, and as one uh, comedian once said, this group was so uptight that even the British told them to get the fuck out. The framers didn't want the same thing to happen in the new world. Yeah, I mean, on the core right to an abortion, absolutely. I mean, the, the opinion uh, really couldn't be more clear. I mean, this court believes, like a fair number of legal scholars, that Roe versus Wade was basically just made up. It was wrong from the beginning. Uh, there's nothing in the Constitution about a right to abortion. And coming in 1973, when a lot of states were starting to liberalize their laws and allow abortion, the court jumped in, short-circuited the political process, and said abortion was legal nationwide. The court says that just inflamed the debate. It's time to return the issue on a right to abortion back to the people's elected representatives in the individual states. What does that mean? I mean, that means that if you want to ban abortion in Mississippi or all those other states that Christina just mentioned that already are, that's fine. There is no constitutional right women have. So the court is there's no role for the Supreme Court to, to rule on it. There are other issues that the court could take up that are related to abortion access. And I think you are going to see some of those legal challenges play out, like whether states can ban access to abortion pills or whether states can prosecute uh, people for going across state lines uh, to get an abortion. I think you could see some of those in the court, but not on whether or not states can ban or greatly restrict it. That's done. These Christian fundamentalists don't know anything about the Bible, which, much less the Constitution, they only know four words of the Second Amendment while forgetting 16 words in the first. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. State abortion bans do violate the First Amendment. Jewish and Muslim law does allow for abortions. Christians like to believe that they're better than Muslims. Well, in the Muslim faith, women can get abortion up to 16 weeks in. If the mother's life is at risk or an abnormality within the child. And I hate to say that Muslim faith is more liberal than Christianity, but you do the math. Someone has to really think about that for a moment and realize, maybe this isn't the best road. Now, for a group of people that like to believe that they knew what the founding fathers wanted, even though they never read them, can simply look at the letters to know. Thomas Jefferson himself said that the Constitution should expire 20 years after it was written. When the French Revolution broke out in Paris, Jefferson wrote to James Madison, The question whether one generation of men has the right to bind another seems never to have been started either on this or our side of the water. But between society and society, or generation and generation, there is no municipal obligation, no umpire, but the law of nature. We seem not to have perceived that, 
by the nature of by the law of nature. One generation is to another as one independent nation to another. On similar ground, it may be proven that no society can make a perpetual constitution or even a perpetual law. The earth belongs always to the living generation. Every constitution then and every law naturally expires at the end of 19 years. If it is enforced longer, it is an act of force, not of right. Why is it after every 20 years? Well, that's the cycle of a new generation. You're going to tell me that a document written before electricity, a national army, or even a fucking country is something that will transcend an ever-changing world. Not only that, but the country they helped form is beginning to look like the country they fled those so many centuries ago. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. It is time to reawaken this industrial giant, to get government back within its means, and to lighten our punitive tax burden. And these will be our first priorities, and on these principles there will be no compromise. Since the decision of Roe v. Wade in 1973, women have become more pro-choice. From 51% in 1973 to 61% in 2022. While men remain strictly unchanged and, and even split, the media will have you believe that the Supreme Court won't go much further. But Justice Clarence Thomas has expressed interest in revisiting gay marriage, gay rights, and women, and women contraception. All decisions that he thought was overreach. However, he won't go after Loving versus Virginia, which dealt with interracial marriage. Why? Uh, it's because his wife is white. I am a Christian but their decision doesn't represent me. God gave us free will, the right to make our own choices. You hear things on social media, if the fetus is a person and it has rights, why can't we claim life insurance if we have a miscarriage or claim them as a dependent on a tax return because it's not a real person? It is not right to put your religious beliefs on someone else of another religion. America is not a Christian nation, nor was it meant to be. America didn't go downhill because we took God out of society. It's going downhill because a vocal few are forcing it onto everyone else's life. Under God was not written in the Pledge of Allegiance. It was installed in the 50s as a counter to Russia's growing power, and their atheist culture. I was taught abortion was bad in the church. But to be honest, I never really gave a shit. For me, I was never going to make that decision. Unless I was married or got someone pregnant. And I did have a pregnancy scare when I was younger. And a friend asked me, what are you going to do about it? She was a girlfriend, but... I had no intention of marrying her. Now, I got her opinion. And let's be honest, guys have the easier part of this process. We can either stay or leave. No skin off our back. But women have to live with it. They have to go through the nine months, give birth, the physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. For me, it was up to her. But I was going to man, man up and 
be there regardless of her decision. Unfortunately, we never had to, ha that never had to happen, but it was a heavy decision. Now, there is anecdotal evidence that some will complain that about father's rights and that fathers should have a say, which I agree to a degree. People will be happy. Abortion will be illegal because some people heard stories about women making the decision unilaterally. So it should be right that we take away the, the decision completely because of a couple of dudes that didn't get a say. And if you want some more anecdotal evidence, just look online. Some guys got a chick pregnant, bailed on her, only to come back later and sue her for having an abortion. And the dude won. Rapers have done the same. There are a lot of men out there that say women have too many rights. Men don't have enough. This is true, but that can be said in all areas of the law. The problem with many of these bans is the guys don't even have a say in it either. However, they are neither charged or suspect in any area unless he is given, he gives them a ride to a state that allows for abortions. That doesn't seem fair, does it? Now, there are many of you that don't know what we can do. And this is where I said that local and state elections are important. As we see, the president is either incapable or unable to do much of anything. But you can do something locally. We have midterms, midterm elections happening now. You can galvanize people in your town, county, or state and get people out to vote. Turn those tides and do it while you can because there's a case that the Supreme Court is going to hear from North Carolina about elections. The case wants... The case involves courts not having the right to interfere in an election. That the state legislature has the final say. Now, what does that mean? It means that if the state doesn't like the majority voted for blue or red candidates, the state can actually change the vote and there is nothing the courts can do about it. It literally takes away the voice of the people. Some may consider this hyperbole. Or that it will never happen. But we thought the same with Roe v. Wade. Look for the candidates that don't back those draconian abortion laws. Reverting women to second-class citizens. The 14th Amendment was designed to protect them as well. And Republicans are dominating local elections because Democrats got you to believe that only national elections matter. They don't. At least not always. But those local elections are where the Republicans are at. And if you have incumbent Democrats running, press them on what they will do about abortion rights. Push them to do something. They are trying to take this country by force. So let's take it back by our right. There is a conspiracy theory that this movement in the Christian church is to prevent the thinning out of white Christians. Because the theory goes that many of the people having abortions are actually white. And this is hurting the white race. Now, I can see that. However, I can see another point, a political point. And you may have seen this online, and there are, there's a social media post from Dave Barnhart, a pastor at St. Junia United Methodist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And the post has been verified as being true. So here it is. The unborn 
are a convenient group of people to advocate for. They never make demands of you. They are morally uncomplicated, unlike the incarcerated, addicted, or the chronically poor. They don't resent your condescension or complain that you are not politically correct, unlike widows. They don't ask you to question patriarchy, unlike orphans. They don't need money, education, or childcare, unlike aliens. They don't bring all the racial, cultural, and religious baggage that you dislike. They allow you to feel good about yourself without any work at creating or maintaining relationships. And when they are born, you can forget about them because they are ceased, because they cease to be born. It's almost as if by being born, they have died to you. You can love the unborn and advocate for them without substantial changing your own wealth, power, or privilege with substantially challenging your own wealth, power, or privilege, without reimagining social structures, apologizing, or making reparations to anyone. They are, in short, the perfect people to love if you want to claim to love Jesus, but actually dislike people who breathe. Prisoners, immigrants, the sick, the poor, widows, orphans, all the groups that are specifically mentioned in the Bible, they all get thrown under the bus for the unborn. We will make sure that when a kid is in the womb, they're as safe as they are in a classroom, the workplace, a nursing home, because every stage of life has value. If Christians claim so much about the unborn, forcing 10-year-old rape victims to have a child, then maybe they should have universal health care, more social programs to care for the child after it's born, and not leave it up to the mother to figure out how she's going to care for a child the state made her keep. Maybe reduce gun rights so kids can go to school and not be killed. Because right now, we give voice to the unborn, but once they are born, fuck them. Thanks for tuning in. This show is ad-free, and I'd like to keep it that way. And I can only do that with your support. If you would like to donate to make this podcast and my blog self-sustaining, you can go to thegenxerpod.com and click on that donate button. And if you can't help us out monetarily, you can share it and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, or Stitcher, basically wherever you can. This will give us bigger exposure, all of this helps. Your reviews allow more people to find the show. And you can also check out all the previous season's episodes. And if you would like to read my personal musings on my blog, feel free to. Just go to thegenxerpod.com. You can also stalk me on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at thegen underscore xer or email the show at themailbag at thegenxerpod.com. So that is it for me this week. So until next time, I'm Stephen Vargas, and between the battle of the boomers and millennials, there are the Gen Xers. Mm-hmm.